that are rooted in something that is not truth. That uh, there's no reason that Cade should be afraid of the kitchen. All right? I don't know why Cade got afraid of the kitchen. I mean, he's never been hurt in the kitchen. He's never, I don't really understand why. But for whatever reason, Cade misses out on experiences in the kitchen because of an irrational fear. In fact, he misses out on lots of different things. We dropped, you know, food, obviously, all the time in the kitchen, and Cade misses out on all of the blessings that come from hanging out in the kitchen because of his irrational fear. And I think there's a lot of things like that in our lives, that we listen to some sort of voice in our heads, some sort of lie in our head, that if we really had to be honest with ourselves, is 100% irrational. Kind of like being afraid of spiders. It's not rational for anyone in Alaska to be afraid of a spider. Okay, it's really not. If you were in Australia where like every other spider could like kill you, then you have a then that's a rational fear. But like all we have is like little dinky spiders. You know what I'm saying? But for whatever reason, even though we are like thousands of times bigger than a spider, we have this like irrationality in our brain that somehow that spider is scarier than me. Right. And I think that happens in our spiritual lives a lot that for whatever reason, we listen to voices in our heads that make us convinced that something that really doesn't make sense, something that really isn't rooted in truth, can somehow dictate and, and influence the way we think and influence our lives. Our thoughts are really powerful. You know what I'm talking about? And I think sometimes, sometimes our thought line can get messed up. And I think that viewing something irrationally can lead to a, uh, or, 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 Listening to a lie of some sort can lead to a lot of different things that happen in our life. For example, if we're worried about something, a lot of times it's rooted in something that is, uh, that is a lie. If we're stressed about something, a lot of times it's rooted in a lie. Anxiety, depression, fear, insecurity, bitterness, pride, all of those things are rooted in a lie. And if we trace them back to a promise of God those things can obviously become taken care of. For example, if we, uh, if we trace worry back to a promise of God, the Bible says do not worry about anything, but in everything present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that to, to, to not be anxious about anything, to cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Bible says that we have a God that serves us, a really big God that serves us and loves us and cares for us and has grace for us. And yet, for whatever reason, we develop irrational thoughts, irrational fears about how we view the world around us. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about this. And he says that there is something necessary for us to do if we want to follow Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to have you guys open to Romans 12. Romans 12. And we're going to be in verse 2, and then we're going to kind of skip a couple verses into verse 9. Paul gives us a, uh, some advice as to how to handle irrational thought processes. How many people have uh, a pretty consistent dialogue that goes on in your brain all day long? Okay? Probably all of us, right? We're constantly thinking, talking to ourselves, and that inner voice might sound like, uh, you're going to die, or, oh, you're gonna, this is going to kill you, or, holy cow, you're never going to get everything done. You should be stressed about this right now. You're a moron. You shouldn't have talked to that girl that way, right? Uh, man, you, you are so lame. You're this, that, the other thing. We 
constantly have these inner dialogues. And Paul is aware of the fact that this inner dialogue is going on in our brain continuously. And a lot of times that inner dialogue sounds like a voice that is lying to us a lot. And so Paul says that we need to do something really interesting. In verse 2, he says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. Be transformed by the renewing. Everyone say renewing. The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, how many people in here would like to be able to test and approve what God's perfect, pleasing, and good will is? Anybody? Yeah, me too, right? Like, that's where I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life in anxiety. I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to live my life in worry or depression or bitterness or anger or whatever else that comes into my head and whatever else that inner dialogue is telling me. I want to live my life in what is good, pleasing, and perfect to the Lord. And Paul writes and says, the secret of this is to be able to renew your mind and just be able to say, okay, we got to identify what's in there that's lies, be able to sort that out from truth, and then be able to speak truth. And the rest of the, the, the next couple verses in this, uh, in this passage give us a glimpse into how to do that. And so in verse 9, it says this. So uh, this is what I love about Paul is typically he never just like gives you advice and then like walks away. You know what I'm saying? He's not like the guy that is like, you'll know what to do. And then like kind of walks away, you know, like in the movies. It's like, no, I don't know what to do. Right. Or like he's like, I will tell you the secret of life. And then he like dies. You know, I hate those scenes in the movies. Uh, But uh, Paul typically says, no, 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 let me this is where we're headed and this is how you get there. And so this is what he continues to talk about in the rest of chapter 12. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. And share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who curse, persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And he goes on to, tell, to continue to talk about what this looks like to continue to renew your mind in Christ. And what that kind of, what the identifiers of that is. We, I just want to concentrate on those few verses tonight because we don't have time to look at all of these things. But tonight I want to talk about how is it that we can renew our minds so that the inner dialogue of our brain sounds a lot more like Jesus and a lot less like the enemy. Or maybe a lot more like Jesus and a lot less like the world. A lot more like Jesus and maybe a lot less like your mom or your dad or that boyfriend that dumped you or that person that told you that you were absolutely worthless or that person that hurt you or whatever it is that we hear over and over and over again. Some of you in here, your worst inner dialogue sounds a lot like your own voice. And you kick the snot out of yourself constantly. And I believe that God wants to do something in your mind tonight and have you stop fearing the kitchen, right? 
to renew your mind. You see, this is kind of how this works. Our destiny, you maybe have seen this before. Did we get that thought line up there? Thanks, Courtney. You rock. Uh, oh, nope, not that one. <laughs> are, you, are you okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, okay. I guess we didn't get that up there. That's okay. We're going to keep moving on. Uh, all right, so tonight I have four keys to renewing our minds. Four keys to renewing our minds. And the first one, we're just going to, we're just going to, all of our points are going to be pulled right from Romans 12 tonight. So the first one is this, hate what is evil. Everyone say hate what is evil. We're supposed to hate what is evil. What does that mean? Well, what that means is that we have to identify what the lies are in our brain, okay? Last week we talked about one of these prominent lies. We talked about temptation. And we talked about, last week, if you were at Chi Alpha, we talked about how the devil loves to tempt us with a perceived need. He puts something in front of us and makes us think that we need it. Or sometimes he shifts our perspective and he tries to tell us that God is someone that God is not. Or that God is somehow not something that he is. And that uh, if he can't get us to bite on those, he gives us a counterfeit. And I want to talk about temptation tonight because we, we talked about that last week. I want to talk about this stuff that, uh, that is maybe different than that, than, than, than Satan putting a sin in front of us and trying to entice us with a sin, because I think that that's really only half the battle when it comes to our walks with Jesus. The other b- battle is with th- our thought life. One of the things that I think is, is, a, is a really a, a, a crafty lie, a couple crafty lies that I think the enemy gives us in this area, another one outside of temptation is shame. And you guys have maybe heard me say this before, and uh, I talk about, I, I, I show this image almost every year in Chi Alpha because I have watched this set more people free than you would ever imagine, okay? This is how shame works. There's an inner voice in a lot of our heads that loves to shame us. And shame is a pretty nasty thing. So here's what happens in our lives. We have, uh, all of us, we, we do something or something happens to us in action in our life gets made, okay? And that action obviously has some sort of hurt attached to it. And so that action, you can go to the next slide, Courtney, that action leads to shame. The devil comes in and says, I cannot believe you did that. You are an absolute moron, right? For example, he says, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And as soon as you do it, he turns around and he says, I can't believe you did that. You're so stupid. Anybody ever heard that voice before? All right, I have all the time, right? And so, uh, or something happens to you, right? Somebody hurts you, some sort of action gets done to you, and then the devil comes in and says, I can't believe that happened to you. You know why that happened to you. You are so, you're so worthless. You're, and all of a sudden you get shame heaped on you. And once shame has taken a root, go to the next slide, then all of a sudden shame tries to identify us. And so, uh, for example, if we were going to say, uh, let's just say, let's use a, a pretty prominent issue in the world today, okay? Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about pornography tonight, okay? So we have pornography. The devil says, hey, you should look at this image on the computer, and, uh, and you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. And as soon as you look at it, all of a sudden, deep in your heart, you realize that, man, this is not right. And the devil comes in, and he heaps shame on top of you. And he says, you are absolutely worthless. I cannot believe that you fell for that again. You are such a scumbag. You know why you fell for that again? Because you are a porn addict. 
And all of a sudden, he attaches the identity of a porn addict to you. And guess what porn addicts do? People who are addicted to porn look at porn. And so you do the action again, and more shame, and more deep-rooted identity. And this cycle continues and continues and continues, and it's a downward drilling spiral in our lives. And what, the, what, the, what God wants you to know is that he never will ever shame you. In fact, the Bible says that there is no condemnation in Christ. In Christ there is grace. In Christ there is forgiveness. Now, does the enemy want you to be addicted to something? Or does, the, does Jesus want you to be addicted to something? Absolutely not, right? He has a better future for you. Do you think he might address that or speak to you about that? You better believe he's going to speak to you about it. But he's never going to heap shame on you. He's going to say, hey, young lady, young man, whatever it is that you're doing there, I have something better for you. And that's what we need to renew our minds with. Because if we continue to go down the way of shame and we never get out of this cycle, if we never renew our minds and accept the grace and forgiveness that is available to us, this will just be a self-perpetuating cycle. You can take that off. Another, uh, another example of this is self-destruction. I already said this uh, tonight, but some of you in here are your own worst enemy. For whatever reason, it's your own voice that screams in your ear that you are pathetic. And God wants you to know that, that, that he, the things he speaks, in fact, I will go so far as to say that, that when you say those things about yourself, it hurts the heart of God. Because when he looks at you, that is not what he sees. He sees a man or woman of God who is a new creation, a co-heir with Christ, right? That's what he sees. And so when you listen to that lie, and I think Glenn said, touched on this, Glenn Davis at, at uh, Breakaway touched on this, that, uh, that, that there's some of us judge our, we would never imagine judging someone else the way we judge ourselves. Like if I were to judge Marcel the way I judge myself, I mean, everyone would say, man, Steve is a pathetic person, right? But for whatever reason, the inner voice in my head has a totally okay time with placing that judgment on my own life. It's a lie. For some of you in here, it's an outside voice that you've been listening to. It's a voice of a, of a disgruntled parent, a, a, a parent who isn't happy with what you're doing in your life, or, a, or maybe a dad that, that you were never good enough for, or, a, or whatever it is. And for some of you in here, it's the voice of pride that constantly is screaming in your ear that you've got to be the best at absolutely everything and prove yourself at every single thing that you do. The reason I start with that, and that's kind of a, a big heap of junk, I realize that tonight, right? The reason I start with that is that it's the first thing that Paul talks about in this paragraph, is that, man, you need to, th there's got to be love in your life, and you got to hate what is evil. you got to hate what is evil. you got to identify what is not right in your mind, and you got to hate that. It's not enough to just be like, yeah, yeah, I should probably put that away. No, no, no. We, we are commanded to actually hate the lies that are in our life, in our head, right? Which is, which is a pretty powerful statement. In other words, flee from it. Run, be ruthless, do whatever it takes to get rid of that thought. And then the second thing, number two, is that we cling to what is good. In other words, we need to change our inputs. 
We need to change our inputs. If we stop putting something in, right, if we stop listening to a lie, we need to start putting something else in its place. None of you are going to be able to turn off the internal dialogue on your, in your brain, okay? It's not going to happen. Some of you are like, Steve, at 6 a.m., there is no internal dialogue in my brain. I'm just coasting through life. In fact, I drove to campus this morning, and I don't have any idea how I got there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anybody in that boat, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, I'll pray for you, right? Call me and make sure I'm not on the, on the road at the same time as you. Uh, but we, we can't turn the internal dialogue off in our brain. It's always going to be saying something. And so we have to make sure that we are being intentional about making sure that truth is being input into our lives. Because this is why it is so important as a man or woman of God to have a prayer life. This is why it is so important as a man or woman of God to read and study God's Word every single day. When someone develops a Bible reading plan or they say, hey, you should get into the Word or, or you should read the Bible or how, whatever it is, I think a lot of times what we do is we turn that into like another thing to do. Or we turn it into just like something that I need to check the box on as a Christian, as a man or woman of God. And it's not about that you got to change the input in your life. And if you don't have any input, the internal dialogue is going to come from somewhere else. It's going to come from the world. It's going to come from temptation, shame, self-destruction, outside voices, or pride. It's going to come from there. So we have to be able to put something else in. And the reality is, is that we can know the entire Bible. We can know the entire Bible, but if it doesn't become synthesized in our heart, if it doesn't become part of who we are, it really doesn't mean anything, right? Are we reading Scripture, not just to study Scripture, not just to check a box, but to say, God, help me believe what it is that you say about me every single day. The world is going to be quick to remind you every single day, and so we have to be strategic about making sure that we are changing the inputs in our lives. And I, I've said this before, Kyle, I'll say it again. The, you, can, you can talk to my wife, and she will be able to tell you how Steve's time in the Word is going on any given week. Because the type of husband I am is directly correlational with how much time I spend with Jesus that week. It is. It's creepy, actually, right? And... And, uh, and I've been told by my wife several times, right? This is like a nice way to say you're a psycho, all right? <laughs> she said, Steve, I think, I think we need to go spend some time with Jesus, right? <laughs> Translation, <laughs> you are insane right now, all right? I'm not going to say that because I love you, but you are crazy, and we need to go spend some time with Jesus. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do tonight. If you have been listening to lies in your brain, get a plan. Get a plan. To start spending time in the Word. Get a plan. That might be something super simple. It might be something like you say, man, uh, man, my small group leader has been asking me what I've been reading in the Word. Maybe I should actually, uh, uh, maybe I should actually dig into that. Maybe it's five minutes a day, right when you wake up or right before you go to bed. Maybe it's something to where uh, you, you you turn on that Bible app and you listen to you listen to some some like. 
uh, James Earl Jones sounding guy read scripture to you as you're getting ready and brushing your teeth in the morning. I don't care what it is, but just get some sort of input into your life. If you don't think you're going to be able to sit down and read the Bible for an hour straight tomorrow morning, probably don't make that your goal, all right? Now, do I want all of you to read the Bible for an hour a day? Of course I would. That would be great, right? But I'm also realistic in the fact that we have to just get started somewhere. And if you can just get even just the littlest bit of different input in your life, I guarantee it's going to make a difference. In fact, if you do this this week and you say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into Scripture. I'm going to read a psalm every single morning. And I'm going to read I'm going to read one chapter about Jesus's life in the book of John every single morning. If it doesn't influence your life over the course of the next week, come talk to me. I'll give you your money back. All right. You didn't pay anything for that. But uh, but I, but I, what I'm saying is I'm giving you a guarantee that something is going to change in your life. We cling to what is good. We be faithful in prayer. This passage says. This is so important, you guys. I think uh, so often we rely on repackaged food when it comes to our walks with Jesus. What do I mean by that? Guys, I, I hope that every single Thursday that you come to Chi Alpha, you walk away with some sort of truth that you're able to apply to your life. That's my prayer for all of your lives, okay? But tomorrow, I'm not going to be there in your life to address whatever lie it is that you're hearing, all right? In fact, if I was, it'd be kind of creepy, okay? It's like, tick, 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 tick. hey, <laughs> that'd be weird, all right? So the beautiful thing about our daily time with Jesus is that Jesus, I really do believe this, is that when we dig into the Word or when we spend time talking to God in conversational prayer, he has something specifically designed for us on that specific day. You may come to Chi Alpha. You may get something from a message. You may not. You could go to small group and you may get something from the, the topic of discussion. You might not. But I guarantee you this, that if you go to your time, if you go and you approach God in the word, you approach God in prayer, he is going to give you some sort of usable input that is going to be either applied to your life that day, that week, that month, or maybe it will come back up in a time that you least expected and the time that you most need it. Because my God is faithful, like I said. But if we're not changing our inputs, it'll be hard to be able to identify what is actually evil in our lives. The third thing that I want to touch on in this passage is that the that Paul writes that we need to be joyful in hope. Everyone say joyful in hope. Okay, for, uh, this, uh, for this point, I, uh, I, I need an assistant. And uh, Dalton, would you like to assist me? Is that okay? All right. So uh, I always enjoy picking on Dalton. And uh, Dalton was, uh, was, you know, he told me that he had some good uh, – Good football skills, and so he, we're going to test his reflexes today. Is that okay? This is a uh, this is a pool ball, all right. <laughs> and uh, and so here's what we're going to do, Dalton. Is uh, I'm going to toss this to you, and you're going to catch the pool ball. Okay. 
Got it? Can we give a hand to Dalton for you? Okay. Good. All right, you ready? Are you nervous? Is your heart beating kind of fast? Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a pool ball. So ready? Catch it. Okay. Very good. All right. Now, oh, good job, Dalton. Good job. Very good. Now throw it back, please. Throw it back. Very good. Okay. So I'm going to back up just a little bit, and I'm going to throw it again. All right? So here you go. Ready? All right. Very good. All right. Now toss it back. Very good. Very good. Okay. Now what I need you to do, we're going to really test your reflexes now. So I need you to turn around. Turn around. All right. So, Dalton, here's what's going to happen is on the count of three, we are going to have you, uh, we're going to have you turn around, and I'm going to toss the ball in the air very similarly to what I had just done, and you're going to have to turn around, you're going to have to pick up on the ball and catch it, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. Turn around. <laughs> what are you doing, man? You screwed it all up. Sit down. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Sit down. Sit down. Can we try this again? Can we try this again? All right, here you go. Okay, here you go. All right, all right, ready? One, and go on three. One, two, three. <laughs> all right, sit down. So it was supposed to be a trick, and be, you, you messed it all up. But give him a give him a round of applause, anyways. All right. So what was supposed to happen, all right, and we're just going to go through this image just a little bit differently, all right? What was supposed to happen is that Dalton was supposed to see a ball coming at him, which his brain would have registered as, a, as a, obviously, a pool ball, and he was supposed to curl up into a little, like, girly ball on the floor, all right? Whimpering and crying and, and, and mad at me for why would you ever do that, all right? So that's what was supposed to happen. That didn't work at all. Chalk that up to failed uh, sermon illustrations. So that's okay. Uh, the reason I said that is because I feel like this is kind of what we do in our lives. And if you could hand me that ball back, that would be great. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So sometimes in our lives, we look at situations, and they actually are kind of like a foam ball that is coming at us. All right. In reality, this is our situation. But in our brains, because things are whirling around up there, and we're freaking out about them, and they are, they are absolutely just, in our minds, they're absolutely crazy. In our minds, they feel a lot more like pool balls flying right at our face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right? And in reality, we saw a lot of times in hindsight in these situations, we can look back and we can say, man, that actually wasn't that big of a deal. For example, really simple life example, at, at the beginning of every single semester of my college career, I remember thinking to myself, on like syllabus day, I remember thinking as the teachers were like telling us about all the projects, all the tests, and all the things that were going to be going on in the semester, I remember going back to my, going back to my dorm or going back to my par apartment every single beginning of every single semester and telling my roommate, I am going to die. All right? There's no way. This is going to be the hardest semester ever. You know what I'm talking about? All right? Like, this is going to be the worst. I have all 400-level classes, and it's just going to be the worst. My professors are all really mad and angry already, and it just seems like everything is going to fall apart. My, my, uh, my, my car is breaking down. 
uh, my, you know, everything is just going wrong in my life, and there's absolutely no way I can survive. And guess what happened every semester? I survived. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. And at the end of the year, I was like, yeah, you know, that actually wasn't so bad. It was kind of, that was a foam ball, and in my brain, I made it a pool ball. And I think we do this in our lives a lot. We respond to life situations in such a way that in our brain, they're absolutely catastrophic. They're absolutely catastrophic. And our problems are not as big as we're making them. And even if our problem is big, you're sitting in here tonight and you're like, no, Steve, you don't understand. I do have some big, like, pool ball items thrown at me and, like, being ready to hit me in the face, right? The reality of the situation is our God is bigger than all of those things, all right? He really is. He really is. And when we start to understand that we can be joyful in hope, you see, joy is a choice. Happiness is not, right? We can be happy or we can be sad. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. Joy is independent of circumstance. Joy is a choice. We can choose to have joy in our lives. And as a man or woman of God, we can always be joyful in our hope in Jesus Christ. Even if worst case scenario, as a man or woman of God, worst case scenario is what? We all die, right? As a man of God or a woman of God, we still win, right? So even worst case scenario, we still have hope in the worst case scenario. And for whatever reason, we are always, as men and women of God, we're always making things bigger than our God. And it's really sad. Again, I think it hurts God's heart when we make a test bigger than him. I think it hurts God's heart when we make a family situation bigger than him. When we make hurt bigger than him. When we make anxiety, worry bigger than him. When we, when we make the bitterness and resentment that we feel in our hearts towards that person who hurt me, when we make that bigger than him, I believe that, I believe that hurts God's heart. He says, no, no, I'm bigger than that, and I want to bestow upon you peace and joy. This is probably my favorite quality of my wife, Erin. She has the ability to choose joy in situations that I just, I just can't see it. And she's constantly reminding me, and I really believe that this is one of, because I struggle with this so much, I really believe that, that the Lord gave me someone in my life who is really, really good at this. And Steve, you, you are absolutely terrible at this. I got I to, gotta like, give you somebody that is going to, like, reset your brain every once in a while. And God did that in my wife, Erin. And I'm so impressed with my wife that in every single circumstance and in every single situation, no matter what it is that she's facing, she finds something to be joyous about. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, or whatever is of good repute, if, th if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In other words, the Bible says, listen, you need, to, you need to make sure that your brain is identifying the things in your life that are honorable, right, pure, and lovely. And there will always be one, no matter what situation you're in, because 
God will never leave you and never forsake you, and he is always by your side. And this is not just a good idea thing. This is a command from Scripture. We have to understand that. This is not just like, here's a good quality practice that you could, you know, you could, you know, place into your life. This is something that God says, no, no, I want you to do this. I'm commanding you to do this. Psalms 94, 19 says this, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Anybody have had, anybody has had anxious thoughts multiply within you before? Listen to this. Your consolations delight my soul. What a beautiful verse. The next time your anxious thoughts multiply within you to the point where you are short of breath, to the point where you don't know what you're going to do with your next step, ask the Lord to have his consolations delight in your soul. Guys, this is one thing that I'm working on in my life actively right now. This is something I, I'll just be totally honest with you. I'm not very good at. And again, Aaron helps me with this. The fourth and final thing is that we need to honor one another above ourselves. Honor one another above ourselves. So if you're tracking with me, we realize that we've hate, hated what is evil, cling to what is good. We are joyful in our hope, and we honor one another above ourselves. Can we do ourselves a favor in here? Can we make ourselves a deal? That we as a body of believers, we as the community of Chi Alpha, will make a commitment to making sure to help each other out in this area. Can we do that? I want Chi Alpha to be a place, small group to be a place, this community to be a place where it is very easy to renew your mind because there are words of life being spoken over you consistently by the people in this room. Surround yourself with people that help you speak truth over your life. In other words, Ephesians 4.29 says it this way, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about deep friendship or real friendship, powerful friendship. That this is a component of powerful friendship. We have to understand that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if we are surrounded, if we have surrounded ourselves with people who speak death over us constantly, who speak words of negativity over us constantly, who are just another voice in our head, it is time that we find some friends who can get around us. It's time that we become the friend who can surround someone else and say, I'm going to speak words of life that are going to help this person renew their mind so that they can hate what is evil and cling to what is good and be joyful in hope. This was, a, this was just a culture, cultural thing in my friend group in college. And... Uh, uh, does anybody know what, uh, you guys know what, like, what a roast is, obviously? If you're going to do like a celebrity roast or something, you like bring somebody and you just like roast them, you know what I'm saying? So one day we decided that, that uh, our friend Nate, he was just kind of walking through some stuff that was kind of difficult. And so, uh, and, uh, and Nate just really like poured out a lot of stuff, a lot of himself into Chi Alpha. And so one day, we decide we need to do something nice for Nate, right? We need to be brothers in Christ who say we're going to go help him renew his mind, all right? 
And so uh, it's not that, like, Nate was, like, super down and out or anything like that. We just knew that he was walking through some stuff. So we, uh, we, went, and, uh, we went to the local uh, Sun Mart grocery store, and we bought a cake. And, uh, and we bought the cake, and we took it to the, to the baker, and we had them, like, personalize it. And we did the, and you can put the picture up, Courtney, we did the, the first ever anti-roast, all right? So we had, uh, <laughs> we were very proud of this cake, all right? So literally, we bombarded Nate's apartment. We knocked, we like, we crawled up his balcony, all right? And we got onto his patio on his apartment. We start banging on the door, and we, and he like came over. He like opened the door. He's like scared, right? He like opened the door, and he like peeked out from like between the blinds. He sees it. It's us, and he's like, and, uh, and he opens up the door, and we don't even ask to come in. We just like, we like come in, and we like hand him the cake. And <laughs> he's like, so now he's in the middle of his living room holding a cake. Happy anti-roast, Nate. And for the next hour, we just like showered him with things that we loved about him. And, uh, and it was, uh, y- it might, you might be like, Steve, that is like, that is too feely for me, all right? <laughs> Way too feely for me. I don't like it, all right? Guys, it was a powerful, powerful friendship moment. It really was. And it wasn't like, Nate, I like your glasses. Nate, I like your hair. Nate, I like your cool V-necks that you wear. All right? It wasn't like that. All right? It was like, Nate, here is what I see God has placed in your life as gifts. This is, this is something, you don't remember this, Nate, but four years ago, you told me this. I still remember the impact that that, that statement had on my life. I still think of that often. And you see, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, we became friends who, who didn't just, like, sit around, joke, and fart, and talk about the football game, and, like, you know, make fun of each other, and, like, roast each other constantly. This was something that, that, that actually built each other up. And this was just a cultural part of our friend group. Did we do this often? No, all right? This was not, like, a typical, just a typical Friday night. That's not what this was, all right? But I share that story because I think we need friends in our lives. We need people in our lives who can help us renew our mind. And the worship team can come back up. And uh, if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to ask you a couple questions as we close here tonight. The first question is this, is if you're here tonight and you realize that you are not in the in a, in a right place with God, you realize that you've never made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did in the past and you've let that decision kind of grow cold and stagnant. And tonight, you would like to pray and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Just raise a hand in this place if that's for anybody. Is that for anybody? If you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you'd come find me or you'd come find my wife after the service. We would love to talk with you about what that means, what the next steps are, pray with you as you start this journey. But if you raise your hand to that question, I want you to pray in your heart just something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I'm accepting your forgiveness 
that you made available to me through dying on the cross. And tonight, I am repenting or turning away from my old ways and asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to chat with you after the service. My second question is this. If you are here and you realize that you have an irrational, something irrational that you've been listening to in your life, you have a fear kitchen, right? You have something in your life that you realize that I've been listening to this lie for far too long. And you just say, not only am I going to hate what that is, I'm going to hate what is evil, I'm going to I'm going to run from that, I'm going to turn from that, I'm going to tell that lie to shut up tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that tonight. I'm going to stop listening to that. Just raise a hand in this place. And now if you would be so bold and you'd say, I'm not just going to... I'm not just going to run from that, but I'm going to actually confess that to someone. I'm going I'm to talk to someone about that, and I'm going to go and get prayer for that tonight. Just as a way to commit that to Jesus, say, you know, I, I'm going to actually do something. I'm going to do some business in, in here tonight. I'm going to do some prayer business in here tonight. Just raise a hand in this place. Okay, so if you raise your hand to that, we're going to have a prayer team. Or even if you did not raise your hand to that, and you would like prayer, if you've been listening to a lie, get someone around you to speak some life into you. Have someone pray for you tonight. Start practicing what we just talked about. Have them pray for you and speak some words of life over you. Speak that lie out and let them just declare some promises of God over your life in that area. Can you do that for me? All right. And the next question is this. If you would like to make a commitment to cling to what is good, meaning that you're going to actually say, I'm going to change the inputs in my life. I'm going to do something about my prayer life. And for this one, I want everybody's heads up and everybody's eyes open. If you're going to do that, if you're going to make a commitment to do that, raise your hand in this place, okay? Now, I want you to look around, and if you have someone who's in your small group, okay, or, or maybe you're not in a small group, I can talk to you about that. We can get you connected, right? But maybe you came here with a friend tonight or something like that. If they have their hand up and you have their, your hand up, talk to them before you leave and come up with a plan. The devil already has a plan to get you to not do this. I guarantee it. So let's, before we leave here tonight, we make a deal and say, let's come up with a plan. And it might be something as simple as, hey, can you just like, can you can can we just maybe read a start going through psalms together and read a psalm every single day and I'll just text you my favorite part of that psalm. I don't know what it is. Come up with a plan, talk to each other and do that before you leave. Deal? All right. We're going to pray. If you say this that if you need to be joyful in hope or or you need to 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 surround yourself with some people your life that are going to show honor or that you need to give honor to. We're going to pray for those things. So if you bow your heads. In fact, I will ask this. If you're here tonight and you realize that you want to be someone who helps other people be able to renew their mind, and you are going to, you're going to tell someone something tonight that's honoring to them. Just raise a hand in this place. Maybe it's, you're going to, you're going to text somebody and say, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but you, you had a really huge impact on my life. 
maybe you're going to go to your small group leader and just say, hey, thank you so much for the commitment that you make to small group every single week. I really appreciate it. Whatever it is, you're going to speak some life. Something, maybe you speak to a gift. Hey, this is something I've noticed in your life, and I just want to speak to that. And I, I want you to remember this the next time the enemy's trying to lie to you. All right, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go into practice today. But I want us to spend some time in the Lord's presence dealing with some of the lies. So if you need prayer for some sort of lie that you've been listening to, come find us in the back. Before you leave, talk to, the, talk to someone about what your plan is to cling to something good. And if the Lord lays something on your heart to honor somebody with, honor them before you leave today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray that these next few moments would be holy and completely yours. Lord God, we give them to you. I pray for those individuals who need to have some words of life spoken over them, that they would not be afraid to come to the back and have some promises prayed over them tonight. Lord, we rebuke the enemy's attack. We rebuke his plan to just continue to allow us to sit in our irrational fears, insecurities, bitterness, pride, depression, anxiety, worry. God, we rebuke that stuff tonight. May it not have a place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship and spend time processing that.